Welcome to the Live Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career, and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you, wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do, and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights, and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships, and so much more. In today's My Brand HQ podcast, we're going to be speaking to Sarah Chapman. After her aspirations of a ballet career were halted due to an injury, Sarah became inspired by her chemistry teacher, who revealed the complex science behind maintaining consistency in a well-known soft drink. Discovering her passion for science and despite an ongoing struggle with maths, Sarah graduated with a first-class degree in chemistry. Throughout her varied career, she has grasped the huge diversity of roles that the STEM industry offers, many of which are invisible to those outside the world of science. Sarah has channeled her passion for encouraging girls to pursue STEM careers while supporting other women within the industry over the last 15 years. A technical manager for global science company 3M, Sarah sees firsthand the importance of using strengths like collaboration and creativity, which can drive innovation and highlight the value that women bring to the traditionally male-dominated STEM roles. Reaching over 3,000 young people through various activities, including STEM clubs, work experience placements, mentoring and career talks, Sarah has been a driving force behind 3M's award-winning community program. As a judge for their Young Innovators competition, Sarah has witnessed the brilliant ideas that are presented and reinforcing her belief that good ideas come from anywhere and that diversity is critical to innovation. Like many working parents, Sarah actively finds effective ways to maximize her impact and takes opportunities to share her passion for STEM, using technology to support students in Zambia as well as appearing on the BBC and founding a successful science supper club to encourage children into science. Today, Sarah will be sharing with us her experience as a project manager for the design and build of the 3M Innovation Centre back in 2014. And also the importance of encouraging young girls and more women into the world of tech and the need to bridge the STEM skills gap. Also why diversity is critical to innovation how working in the tech industry can be rewarding, fulfilling and exciting all at the same time, and why we need to ask for what we want and be overt in promoting who we are and what we do within the workplace for women seeking to accelerate their career. So let's head over and hear what Sarah has to say. Hey Sarah, how are you doing today? Hi, Leela. Thanks for having me. I'm really well, thank you. Great to have you here. So welcome to My Brand HQ podcast, and thank you for taking time out to speak with me today. I wanted to delve straight into some questions, if that's okay. Um, no problem. So, so first of all, I understand you're a board member of the Farnborough College of Technology. So can you give me a little bit of um, insight into what you've gained from, from this role, from being a part of that? Definitely. So, uh, so that's a voluntary role and it's, it's something I wanted to do for a while um, and I was actually looking for a role like that that was outside of London um, just so that I could fit it in around family and all the other things that I do. Um, so this, this role came up at Farnborough College of Technology. It's an incredible college. It's, it's offset outstanding and 
I think colleges play a really important part in social mobility. So it's a kind of personal passion for me to be able to give something back. I know it's cliched, but I really feel like I'm able to do that. Um, but there's a surprising career benefit to it. So, um, so at the college, I get to see as a member of the board, I get to see a lot more of the running of the college. I get to see management accounts. I get to see strategic and actually participate in the, in the strategic planning. And I think when you work for a big corporate like I do, I work for a big multinational. So I often see those things, of course, happen in a multinational, but, um, but they happen often in a completely different country and you kind of see the results and then you have to implement them. Um, so actually working for a smaller organization um, in, a, in a board member capacity is really good because you get to see quite a lot more of, of the, the operations. Um, and the other thing that has been absolutely brilliant is the, the board's quite diverse, um, which is great. It's something that we're, that we're focused on anyway, making sure we've got that diversity. And as a result, there are so many role models um, for me, you know, of all different types. Um, but it's, it's brilliant to be able to see and to work with people who, some of whom have got years and years and years of experience, um, some in the STEM industry, some more in education. And then I think the final benefit for me is I do a lot of STEM volunteering, so science, technology, engineering and maths um, volunteering, working with educational partners. And because I'm not a teacher myself, working at the, for the college actually enables me to see, um, to see a bit more about education, to learn about education, so I can hopefully be a, a better um, advocate for, for STEM education. Wow, fantastic. That, that's an amazing opportunity to have that and to also be able to commit the time to doing it but it sounds like you're getting so much from it as well it's brilliant i would highly recommend it if anybody's considering it um absolutely it's been one of the best things i've done wow that's amazing and so tell me a little bit more you talked about diversity there so why do you think we're struggling to attract more women into the technology industry yeah it's, it's really difficult we've still got a major skills gap in the uk and you know we need particularly we need to engage women if we're going to fill it um there's been progress so very recently uh wise um celebrated one million women working in stem occupations you know that's fantastic but if you look at it in the bigger context you know we still have such a such a long way to go and there are particular underrepresentations, particular pockets where, where we've still got really major representation issues. So, for example, I think it's around 10% women in engineering. You know, that really is, really is low. And it's crazy because there is a proven link between diversity and innovation. And it's causative. It's not just that, that companies that are more innovative happen to also be more diverse. They've actually done studies that show that diversity is driving innovation. So why we wouldn't be, you know, making that top priority, I don't know. It's crazy. I think the reason that we're struggling, because obviously there are a lot of companies are doing a lot of work on this, a lot of organisations are really pushing this agenda. Um, but I think we're still struggling, partly because of lack of role models. And that's not because they don't exist. Um, you, can always, you can always find somebody, and actually it's a pet peeve of mine when we talk about, about diversity. People often point out the kind of the one person. You know, they'll say, well, um, you know, there's, there's a, a black woman who's the CEO of, of X company. And you're like, okay, great. So, you know, one person's made it. And I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, shouldn't highlight those examples, but actually they're not very accessible. Sometimes the really super successful senior people, you know, you look at that, if you're, if you're just starting out in your career, you look at that and you're like, whoa, <laughs> you know. So what I would like to see is 
more uh, more numerous role models much more diversity of role models so lots of different people doing it in lots of different ways and um, just because it's possible just because one person has done it does not mean that it's easy or common or accessible so i i really think we need to look at, at, at making sure that role models can be visible with loads and loads of different scenarios and, and situations um, so the other thing that's important is to realise the benefit of diversity, you need inclusion. And I think, I think certainly for a while, diversity was sort of fashionable and then, in, and then we didn't really talk enough about inclusion. So that's where, for example, the, the statistic about women on boards, you only really get the benefit of, of having more women on the board if you have a, a kind of critical mass, at least 30% of, of women on boards. Um, so you do need those kind of numerous role models. You need it to be accessible to, to everybody, not just just a kind of a lucky few. Um, the other thing that's really, I think, is a factor, and I guess I've experienced it a little bit, is, is family life and balancing, um, balancing whether, it's, whether it's children or other caring responsibilities or, um, you know, I do a lot of volunteering, and it's really important to me. It's, it's something that is good, good for my mental well-being. It's, you know, it's good for the community. It kind of really drives me. You know, and I, I want to be able to do that as well as having a career. So we do need to think about flexibility. Again, I think it's really interesting. The current the current situation is actually, in a way, I think it's moved us forward with with some of that flexible working, remote working, which which will help everybody, not just women, to to kind of juggle and make sure they can do the things that are important to them. So, so there's definitely there's definitely something there around. We do still see a drop off um, for for women around sort of the, the typical age of where people look to have children. Um, you know, you you see it in the data. So we need to work on that, and that will benefit everybody. It's not just going to benefit working mums. It's going to benefit parents it's going to benefit people with caring responsibilities or people who just want to have a life outside work so um so i think that's that's really important um and then i think the last point i would say about about diversity and, and how we can attract more women to tech is there is still a perception issue so particularly i'm i've got a science background and um my company actually do a, a state of state of science index they do a, a big uh, a global survey and they look at perceptions of science. And I don't, I don't know if you have the current data, but I think it was last year, they found that, I think it was 37% of people believe you have to be a genius to, um, to go into science, right? I, I'm not a genius. I think most people who work in tech or science are not genius. Science is probably one of my biggest <laughs> subjects. I'm like, wow. When someone tells me exactly. science, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> Exactly, you know, and, and so I think we need to be educating parents and teachers, you know, you can really play a role in that to say that actually um, you can, parents and teachers particularly can have a really big influence on young people's career aspirations. And I think when, when a young person talks about science, if you reinforce that stereotype of kind of, you know, the, the sort of Einstein image with the genius thing, you know, that, that it can be really, um, really off-putting for people. Whereas if you talk about the fact that STEM needs softer skills, not just the technical stuff, but it needs people who can work as teams, it needs people who, who can have, are empathetic, it needs people who are creative. It's a huge element of creativity in, in any kind of tech industry. Um, if, you, if you can talk about that a little bit more, then it might help to, to improve that. So, so yeah, basically tell, tell kind of stories about role models that people can relate to. 
Nice. Wow. You've got a lot in there in terms of the <laughs> sharing as well. That, that's really good to know. I mean, that's bringing it to, to people's awareness of like, that there's so much work to be done. There is so much. Definitely. So, so from your point of view, then what, what reasons would you give to encourage more women into, into the industry? Because there's two sides to this, I think, because also, you know, we can talk about encouraging women into tech roles or into the industry because mm. there are other roles within tech. You don't have to be exactly. a science geek, genius, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Technical, um, you know, they still need HR, um, procurement, sales, marketing and all of that. So exactly. what yeah. would you say about encouraging more women into that industry as a whole? So first of all, I would say it's, it's where the action is. You know, it's the cutting edge. It, the definition of technology, it, it's changing the world. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's some seriously exciting stuff, especially at the moment. You know, we've got autonomous vehicles. We've got the emergence of AI. You know, all these things that maybe have been in the labs. They've been in the labs for a long time, but they're emerging. You know, they're, they're coming out into the world. So, so I think the first thing is, is whether whatever role you do within tech, you can make such a difference, you know, and it really is cutting edge stuff. So it's, it's the kind of the range of... Um, technologies also as you said the range of roles so even within technical not only are there those those other functions which tech companies need but also even within technical roles so I'm I started off in in a kind of regulatory role a very technical role very specialist role and I'm now a manager and actually being a manager I'm bringing in you know technical skills are important obviously I need to um, I need to be able to, to understand the, the kind of projects that my team work on but as a manager, obviously, there's a whole whole other skill set which is non-technical, and so I think I think just understanding that um, project management is another good example. So having a project manager who knows enough about the technical area or has enough interest in the technical area to be able to work with specialists is really important. But actually, the the skill set that they need is much much broader than just you know just technical stuff so I think I think the range of roles the variety um also the flexibility I don't know if people think about that when you when you talk to school kids and say what's a scientist and they think they think of you know a lab and a white coat or if you say what's a you know what's computer science and they they think of somebody who's sat computer coding and the reality is that there of course there's a percentage of those kind of roles within the tech industry but actually there's there's a huge number of roles that can be done at home or that involve lots of travel or don't involve travel or they involve meeting people and and you know technical sales for example so so they i would say that that there are so many so many different options that things like flexibility and family life you know if, if that's ever a concern for people i i would say it's really not a problem at all you know um it's certainly for me i've just I've done, I have done different roles depending on, you know, family demands and things. Um, but right now I'm doing an EMEA job. So that's um, Europe, Middle East and Africa. And, and I'm doing it from the UK. And, and like everybody, I'm not traveling at all. Um, so I think, I think in a way that, yeah, exactly, exactly. I can still do it because of technology. Um, and then I think the other one is I talked before about innovation and the importance is that, you know, you can, you can be that change. So, so if you can, pioneer to a certain extent going into technology if you are a bit different then that's going to drive innovation so it's almost like you can use you know when you're at school and you just desperately want to fit in and everybody wants to fit in it's human nature to want to fit in in actual fact if you've got reasons to stand out then 
that that will drive innovation. So I so I would almost say that that's a that's a reason to go into it because maybe you don't see as many people that are like you in the industry. So so yeah, I would say that's that's what we need. We need we need more different perspectives. Mm. I love the way when I asked you the question, you just completely lit up and you started to talk about it. <laughs> the passion that you have for it, it just shines through. Um, and, and, you know, what you're saying that I, for me, you know, having spent 16 years in the industry as well, it's, it, it's such an evolving, um, you know, fast moving, dynamic industry. In it, and it is so exciting. It, it's just constant change yeah. and it impacts all industries and individuals. So that there's so much okay. you can do with it whatever you're and you back never know where you're going to end up <laughs> yeah I, I speak for that absolutely you just don't know where, you, where you'll find yourself exactly um, so exactly totally and you mentioned a couple of times about role models so did you have a role model when you embarked on your career hundreds I reckon I was trying to I was trying to work out how many kind of mentors and role models I've had and they really have been so numerous and I think that's really important because the reality, especially when you're pioneering a bit, you're not going to find one person that's done, that's exactly like you, that's, that's got all your challenges, that's, that's followed exactly the same path. Um, so I kind of this huge question of people who often they start off as mentors and then they sort of, they then kind of will do some mentoring and then, and then times move on and they just end up as a kind of trusted person in my network. Sometimes they become sponsors. Um, you know, I've actually ended up, um, some people either working for me or me working for them, you know, and I, I think I've, I've just got a huge list. Um, I've got probably my, um, my celebrity role model, like well-known, um, is Maggie Adderin-Pocock. So she is, um, she is amazing. And she, I've actually never met her. She's like, I, I admire her from afar, but she, um, the reason I like her is not just because she's an amazing space scientist, so you can Google her and, and find out more about that. It's actually not the reason. I'm a chemist. I'm not that interested in stars and stuff like that. Um, but it's actually the way she does her outreach. So she is so honest and genuine with when she does her, her talks online, when she, when she does her outreach work. Um, so she's kind of my, my STEM volunteering role model. Um, I want to be like her. Within work, I've had so many. So I've got kind of working mum role models you know working parents who have got tips about you know oh you can do this and have you thought of that and this work pattern you know where you talk about those kind of things and then I've got kind of career mentors the people who have really got expertise in the particular industry um, and so they can share their expertise they can share advice they can particularly when I'm in the past when I've been dealing with difficult customers um, I've always gone to my mentors to kind of say okay help me out here you know and and I think it's brilliant because it feels like a feels like a safety net um you know and especially if you're maybe doing something it's a bit different um so yeah definitely you, you basically can't have you can't have enough mentors you can't really meet enough role models you can borrow bits and pieces um you know it, it, it's brilliant and I think the key thing is the mentor doesn't have to or the role model doesn't have to be exactly like you they just have to have something where they can give you some advice and the other thing to remember around mentoring and role models is is how much you can offer to them so we talk about reverse mentoring and you always in my head I always have an image of kind of a CEO being mentored by an apprentice who's teaching them social media or something like that um, I don't think it has to be like that I think it can be um, it can be actually more equal but there's often there's often insight that you can give to your mentor that will be really really valuable 
them. So I think I think don't see it just as as a kind of taking. You're also giving as well. Um, and of course, always pay it forward. So I have a rule that if I have a certainly if it's formal, if I have a formal mentor, then I have to add a mentee to to my collection. I like that. That's fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and you're so right, you know, the whole reverse mentoring and, you know, we can always learn from one another. Everyone's got value to offer and a different exactly. perspective and insight. So it's, it's, I think it's imperative to be open to that as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And yeah, paying it forward. Love it. Love it. That's great, Sarah. And so you've talked about um, all these role models and amazing mentors you're surrounded with. So tell me a little bit about the best piece of career advice you've ever received. Yeah, so this is such a hard question because, um, like I say, I have, I reckon I've had probably hundreds of mentors and, um, you know, they all at the time have, have great bits of advice. Um, there's a couple of things that, that stand out. So um, I think the first one is, is to be flexible and open-minded. There's a lot of challenges that I've come across where I've just initially thought, oh my goodness, how, how on earth can I do that? It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then actually talking it through with, with coaches, coaching is a great way to do it. Um, talking it through with partners, with friends, with mentors, I've kind of realized actually there, you know, this can be done. It's just going to be done in a totally different way. I think probably a few people have had that experience recently with the lockdown. You know, people probably initially we were all like, what? You know, <laughs> obviously there are some jobs you can easily do from home, but others it will have been a real challenge. And people have moved mountains and they've, you know, they've really managed. So, so I think that's, that's one thing is just to be really open minded. And that goes about roles as well. So roles, I originally said that I would never go back to doing a European role. Um, I did one at the beginning of my career and I loved it because I got to travel. I went to, you know, I went to see so many cities. It was, it was wonderful. I met so many people. But obviously with a family, that is more challenging. So I had kind of in my head thought, right, I'm, you know, I'm not going to not going to do that kind of role and here I am I'm doing it I'm doing it remotely um it's you know it, it has its challenges but it's but it's working um the other thing that um that I would say is to be visible so you know we talk a lot about this particularly for women it, it maybe doesn't come naturally but you do no one else everyone is so busy they're so wrapped up in their own stuff they're not going to notice um and I've seen some really talented people go unnoticed because they were not pushing their own visibility. So I think you have to be willing to, to kind of shout about what you're doing. Um, you're the best person to talk about, about why it's good. Um, being proactive. So, so a friend of mine, Tamsin Napier-Munn, she's, a, she's an inspirational champion for women. Um, and so she's actually, she's been interviewing women at the very top of their careers. And she said to me recently that their number one piece of advice that goes across all of the different sectors seems to be about being proactive and finding finding what the organization needs sometimes before it knows that it needs it and then being the one that can offer that so having that kind of unique skill set she would also say to me she she's always saying step out of your comfort zone because that's where the magic happens um the the other one i think is some advice for which i had when i was first returning from maternity um the first time round, and i was my i think it was my first day back in the office and we had a networking event and we had Claire Vivian from Dell at the time. I'm not sure if she still works there. Um, and she, she was a, I think she was sort of EMEA VP or something. Um, and she came in, she did a talk and it was a kind of techie talk. You know, she was talking about some of the technologies. Um, but she mentioned a piece of advice about family and her advice was have no regrets. So whatever you decide, just go with it. 
talking about family. My little one is, is making noises. Um, so yeah, just have no regrets, go with it. So if you, if you need to work full time, if you decide to work full time, for example, that's okay. Just, just do it and do it with confidence and make the best of it. Um, I think particularly working mums spend a lot of time feeling guilty. You know, when you're at home, you feel like you should be at work. And when you're at work, you feel like you should be at home. And so that advice, it was good advice because for me it was so timely which I suppose brings us back to the point of mentoring if there was if there was like three best pieces of advice ever they would just be featured in a book and it would be easy the point of that is applying that to your life at the time to your particular situation so I think again I would come back to having having coaching having mentoring to make sure that you can bring in those bits of advice when they're most useful and help you to actually apply them to your current situation. And I still think of, of what Claire Vivian said. She told a story of where she was doing a conference call from the school car park. Um, uh, and it, it meant that she could make assembly, which to her at the time was super important for her, for her, one of her children. Um, and I was like, actually, you know what? I can do this. It's not, it's not just work or home it's not a it's not a choice like that it's a blend um and that has really helped me amazing i mean wow there's so much in there and again that shows the volume the, the value of having those mentors those role models because there's so much you can learn from them all exactly exactly yeah, brilliant. And, and i guess that and, and you talked about visibility there as well and that's something i see a lot of is people don't almost realize the importance of making yourself visible um yeah. And that's why for me, I'm, I'm all about advocating personal branding because um, people, and this was me as well, you know, I, I was this person who believed, oh, if I work really hard and I keep my head down, yeah. it will all work out. People will recognize what I'm about and what I'm good at and I'll get exactly. promoted and, and so forth. And then, yeah. you know, it was early on when I received advice that actually you need to, to speak up more. You need to make yourself known to the people that exactly. matter. And I remember initially because I was really shy, I really lacked confidence. I was like, I get it. It's good advice, but I don't know what to do. And that's it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. How I help people now with the personal branding element of, you know, a lot of people talk about it as being your, your uh, LinkedIn profile, your social media presence. Yeah. For me, it's about the, the in-person side of that and being visible exactly. and how you build those networks and how people get to know who you are and how you can make an impact without even speaking um, exactly and those and what people so, will say about you when you're out of the room you know exactly. that you know that's so so important having those mm. and, and often those mentors that's when they become sponsors you know and uh, it's interesting when I watched your um your TED talk on that that topic or TEDx I it made me think to uh, I actually I went for a job interview within the company and it, the interviewing the hiring manager was actually my boss at the time so I was like okay you know, it's a bit weird, you know, doing an interview. <laughs> anyway, we, we did it. And he said to me, that was a bit left field. And, and I was, you know, I said, what do you mean? And he said, I wasn't expecting you to apply for that job. And I was so taken aback. I was like, are you serious? That like on paper, that is my dream job. That is the job that you couldn't write for me in my head. You could not have written a better job spec for me personally and for my brand and it made me realize that even though I'd done quite a lot of work on my you know on my personal brand um you just cannot make assumptions that people know what you want or what you're good at you you have to you have to be really really overt with it and you have to keep telling them mm. um, and certainly as a manager I really like it when people tell me what they're good at and they tell me all the stuff they've done because I, in reality I'm not going to be able to 
for everything. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's a fast moving world. Um, you know, and, and I didn't get that job in the end. Um, and I still, it's probably one of my few career regrets that I maybe didn't make it clear earlier on. Um, I didn't get the job because there was, a, there was a better candidate. So it may not have changed the outcome. But, you know, the fact that my current boss didn't, wasn't, you know, it was a surprise. I was like, whoa, you know, and that's, that's yeah. on me. That's, that's my job to do. That's not, that's not their responsibility. It's my responsibility mm -hmm. to make sure that the people around me and the people who might turn out to be sponsors or might turn out to be hiring managers, that they know what you want to do um, in no uncertain terms. So yeah, I, it's certainly something I've, I'm now pretty good at. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, there's a huge lesson in that as well. It's like there was a gap there and actually it's our responsibility in our careers to close that gap and to manage it. Mm -hmm. And we cannot assume, I hear so often, you know, when I was working in, in, in the corporate world and people would moan about not getting a pay rise and a bonus. And I, and I literally, I would say, so, so what did you do differently? Yeah, um, have you asked? <laughs> And they said, well, I've done my job. I've done this. And I said, but that's your job. You know, yeah. when they've got a limited uh, pot of money, they're, again, that's why being top of mind matters. And I, I talk so exactly. much about this because who are the people who've really stood out, who've done something, like to your earlier point, have been innovative, who've done something different, mm. who they can think, oh, those are the top three people that absolutely deserve. Exactly. And they may well be deserving. But if they don't know, or you've not, spoken and, and, and talked about it as you said overtly then you're not going to be top of mind for that so exactly. then don't know yeah. but then your other point is ask and people don't yeah. ask for it. women let me say don't ask yeah. men do. And, and so that's as you probably saw in the telex I, I touched on this is you know this thing around um yes there is a gender pay gap absolutely but it's not just about the employer the employer is running a, a profitable business right if he thinks all the women are happy on their salaries hey are you gonna go throw money at them when you're trying exactly. to make a profitable yeah. business it's like or grow a profitable business it's so you got to yeah. kind of think then if you feel you deserve more yeah go make a business case for it. i did it and it's exactly it's, and what's the worst that can happen they exactly they say no and it, that was the hardest conversation the toughest conversation yeah. i ever had to have in my career yeah was to, to do that um but I, I, I was more than shocked at the rewards I got from doing that. And had I not asked, I would never have gotten. Exactly. And it's, it's like, yes, companies need to help close that gap. But we as women also need to exactly. take responsibility for it. So it, yeah. it's a huge thing, huge, huge thing. Yeah, because it's, it's not intentional. You know, in my experience, most, most companies are not setting out to, to pay women less for what they do. Um, you know, but if you look at people who, you know, who, who are successful, they do become very good at, at selling is the wrong word. It, it makes you feel like it's like, you know, selling yourself doesn't, um, doesn't sit well with people, but just promoting, you know, what you do and, and saying, you know, this is what I'm really good at. This is what I can do. Um, this is, this is the gaps I can see. And this is, this is how I can potentially fill them. And I think the better you can get at that. And, and I personally have always struggled to do it myself. I find it if I, if I sit down with a with a mentor, I, I also try and do it for other people. That's the other thing you can do is, you know, it's really hard for yourself. But the more you can do it for other people, the more they will reciprocate. So, um, by the way, the rustling that you can hear is one of these um, one of these sort of uh, baby toys. <laughs> she's just yeah, she's just reading a book. Um, but yeah, so so I think just trying to trying to almost um, is that part about paying it forward. If, if you can do it for other people, even if you're not in management, you can still do it. So if you're in a meeting 
you can speak up for the person who for whatever reason is not speaking up for themselves mm. and if you do that chances are other people will do it for you um you know and i'm so grateful to all the people who have done that for me in my career um you know to date um so so i think if you can if you can really see it that way it really does um you know and, and also you've got absolutely nothing to lose um <laughs> of course of course like so what's the worst that can happen you told no and it's like the next exactly. question what do i need to do to ensure that i'm considered for a pay rise or a bonus next exactly. year that so you then you get some feedback yeah. exactly and and also it means that people understand you know like in in, in my example where where it was it was seen as left field and I was like what <laughs> you know that's a chance to have a, a conversation about what you do want to do and I think the more opportunity you can take to do that don't make assumptions that people know don't make assumptions that people if you're unhappy with with your compensation for example you know uh, people won't know about that unless you say something and it, and it is really hard but it is a lot easier if you do it with a mentor or if you but sometimes if you do it as a group, you know, collective action is also is also good. So if there's a group of people that, that feel that they're they are underrepresented, get together, you know, do it, you know, do it for each other. Yeah, totally. And and actually that's what I did was I went to a mentor and I said, you know, I, I think this situation isn't right. Um, it's not fair. And I don't want to be perceived to be moaning about something, but something's not sitting mm -hmm. with me well here. And he was the one who suggested, he said, put a business, he was familiar with my situation. And so yeah. he said, put a business case together of everything you've achieved, the challenges you've had to, to with, with these clients, um, present it to your, your manager and your sales director. And I had to do it over the phone. And I spoke for almost an hour. I didn't get a single word. It was like, I and I <laughs> yeah. laid it all out and I presented it. And at the end, all I got was, um, something along the lines of what well, you know you put a good case forward um, i'll go and have a think about it yeah. and i came thinking well that was a waste of time and then and it was horrible <laughs> just the whole feeling behind it for me yeah. at the time but when you know i got feedback then actually i'd gotten a, a significant pay rise i was like oh mm -hmm. i didn't even i wasn't even asking for that i wasn't expecting yeah. that um so again ask it's exactly don't make assumptions yeah and and also practice you know that that feeling you talk about you know that's when you're out of your comfort zone but if you practice it on smaller things then it gradually becomes when you need to do it for something like that that's, that's you know that's really big if you've practiced it a bit more even if you're practicing it on behalf of other people i think that really helps um so it you know it all it all builds confidence um so yeah i think it's i think it's a really really important important point yeah and, and again comfort zone I'm, I'm all about stepping out of your comfort zone it's a, you know people like to be comfortable and i hear people talk about they want change in their life yeah. but they're not prepared to change and yeah. i think that's a fundamental flaw you know if yeah. it's saying that you know um if you keep doing what you've always done you'll get what you've always got it's like you've got to exactly. do something differently um, and yes it's going to be uncomfortable but i'm yeah. a strong advocate of if you don't challenge yourself constantly and take yourself out of the comfort zone. And that includes applying for jobs where you cannot tick all the boxes. Um, exactly. Yeah. You, you won't realize what you're capable of. And I talk, I say that from experience, you know, when I um, started out as an accountant I was yeah. shy, I had no confidence, no self, yeah. you know, if someone's talked to me about a sales role, no, wouldn't, no <laughs> way. like it was the last thing from my mind. So to spend, you know, the last 10 years of my career being very successful 
as yeah. a subject. And to look how far I've come and knowing personally what that means to me. And but for me to get there, it was constantly stretching myself and doing those uncomfortable things and taking exactly. the risks and not knowing if it would work. But I would rather look back and think, oh, I gave it a shot and it didn't work rather than exactly. I never no tried regrets. and I'll never know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I, I think, you know, anyone who wants to dive more into that, there's, um, I would recommend your talk because it, it does, it's amazing how, um, how much you can regret not doing something and you, and, and you almost in hindsight, you think, how, oh, why didn't I get that job? Why wasn't I considered for that? You know, and actually you think, well, actually I didn't ask, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't put myself out there and, and it's really hard to do. Um, so I don't, I don't think, sorry, I've got a very excited little one here. I think, I think she agrees with me. Um, but yeah, I think you have to, you have to practice it um, and you have to also be prepared for it to fail. Mm, exactly. So it's, um, How you learn. Yeah, not having um, any expectations of the outcome. It's like letting go exactly. of that and just, just going for it, really, I think. Yeah, worst case is you learn something and you get some feedback. And, totally. And that's still a really good thing. Mm, absolutely. And so bringing all of that together, what would you say have been your biggest challenges in, in your career? Oh, so it's, Again, it's a really good question. Um, something I've realised, and my husband said the other day, I pretty much have a massive crisis of confidence every time I change something. So you talked about change and people not being ready for change. I love change and I, I want to have change. I like to be at the cutting edge of change. Sorry, I've got quite a loud little, <laughs> little pickle here. She's not, she's um, not loud. She's not loud <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, so, so every time I have moved jobs or taken on a new project, I've been like, I can't do this. I, you know, it's imposter syndrome, you know, and there's loads on, there's loads of talks and things about, about that. It's a, it's a very well-documented topic. It does affect women more than men typically. It doesn't mean the men don't have it. Um, but this, this idea that you're just not good enough and you're going to get discovered and someone's going to find out that, that, you know, maybe you were given that job by mistake. You know, it was like an administrative error. Um, and I have it every single time. And when I reflect back on it, I'm like, oh, what was I worried about? It was fine. Things are always worse. Um, you know, you think they're going to be much worse than they really are. Um, so some of the challenges I can think of, um, the first one that really springs to mind, which is the biggest dose of imposter syndrome I've ever had, which was when I did the customer innovation center. So this is a, it's a customer center at 3M. You can come and see the, the innovations that we do. And it was really a once in a career opportunity because businesses like that don't build those kind of things every day. Um, and I had, on, on reflection, I'd been kind of um, Googling for a job like that for a while. You know, I'd been quite involved with some of the customer facing innovation stuff anyway. I'd been redesigning some of the demos. Um, at 3M, we have something called 15% culture, which is where you can spend up to 15% of your time doing stuff that's, not, that's totally outside your job description, um, which is an amazing freedom. And so I'd been using my 15% culture to um, kind of tinker with some of the demonstrations that we have for customers. So on reflection, I'd actually done a bit of work unconsciously or, you know, less consciously. Um, anyway, I, the, the job came up and it was for project manager for the design and build of that center. Um, now at, at 3M we have loads of project managers, hugely qualified, hugely experienced. They are they are brilliant. Um, and I got offered the job, and I was like, seriously, like I, you know, and 
so I remember the weekend that um, that my manager talked about it. Um, I went home and I got I got the Prince Two book and I got the Adult was still just coming in, but you know, so I I started reading about Adult methodologies and and I started learning about all this little project management methodology, you know, trying to read the books because I really felt like I don't know what I'm doing. On Monday morning, I'm having my first project management call as the project manager, and. I don't even know what a project manager really does. You know, I had managed projects, but I'd done them in kind of as part of the as part of the day job. Um, so it was a fantastic opportunity. It was by far the best thing I have project I have ever worked on. It was incredible. Um, it was partly because because 3M has this huge range. They've got uh, over 50 different technology platforms, and the idea was that we needed to showcase the best of them. So it was an incredible project to work on. But it was also a really good team. It was working with contractors. It was working with a, a design agency. Um, it was working with in, you know lots of internal teams. Um, and in the end, we delivered it on time, in full, um, under budget. So, you know, on reflection, I didn't need to worry. And actually, the thing I think the reason that we that we did well was was in the teamwork. It, it didn't actually matter that I didn't have specialist knowledge. Um, I was able to kind of bring people together. I asked when I got stuck. I had a project management mentor. I had a stakeholder management mentor. I, I surrounded myself with people who did know what they were doing. Yeah. And um, so because I was able to do that, it, it worked out. It was really good. So I think I think that's something I would say is, is my probably my biggest challenge, like it is for a lot of people, has been imposter syndrome and holding you back from taking opportunities. Um, but also and again, I think one one of your proudest moments, I'm guessing, because now I mean, definitely, you, you've taken me for a tour around that innovation, and and it's <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. I was shocked, and I realised thank you. What you, you know, you hear of 3M and you see what they've created because you don't necessarily know the brands behind some of these products and to have that tour, I mean, how many, you know, you're seeing what thousands of, of customers. Yeah. So, so we welcome about 6,000 visitors a year. Obviously this year has been a bit different. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, I think, uh, we, we launched it in 2014 and I think by 2016 it had had over 10,000 visitors. Um, so, and the, and the best thing for me is that it's, some of those visitors have been schools so to be able to show people that innovation can you know can be really exciting um you know and we use digital technologies and things you know it, i'm i'm hugely proud of it and actually on reflection to have not taken that job because i was nervous about doing it would have just been such a big mistake you know i'm, I'm so pleased that i did and i'm so pleased that the people who um sponsored me into that role that they took a risk on me um, because they didn't have to, they could have put an experienced project manager in there. Um, they chose me because I was super passionate about the technologies, um, but, but I'm so grateful to them for doing that. So that kind of comes back to what we were talking about, about sponsors. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And so to bring this to a close, Sarah, tell me a little bit about what you stand for. What's your personal brand for you within your career, within your life? What are your values? What's important to you? So uh, my primary focus is around the people. Um, so so I li I'm quite good at connecting people. So I like to create thoughtful connections um, and drive results through collaboration rather than kind of um, people alone. And I think as a manager, I really just want to be a champion for other people because I've benefited from that so much myself. I want to try and do that for other people. So, um, so that's my focus. 
Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for, for taking time out to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. And I wish you every success in all that you're doing. I admire what you've achieved and, and you know, your journey going forward, I'm sure is going to be absolutely outstanding. So thank you so, so much. Thank you, Lila. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.